If you've been with us previously, uh, we have been walking through the book of Jude. Uh, John was in between a passage, and I did not want to interrupt where we were at. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Uh, if, you do not, if you do not have a copy of God's Word, there should be one available in, in front of you. And where 1 John is at in the Bible, Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and we're in 1 John this morning. It's 1, 2, 3 John, Jude, then Revelation. So before we dive in to this passage this morning, I have some questions for us to reflect upon. Are we burdened? Are we burdened by the things of this world? Do we feel this heavy weight on our shoulders? Are we overwhelmed when we turn on the news or look at social media? Or having conversations with family? What about when you go to school or go to work? Are we worn down? Are we going through the motions? Where is our hope? If someone were to examine our lives, what would they say about us? Do we live for things of this world or are we striving to be obedient to Christ? This morning's passage should help us reflect upon these questions and many other questions that this life can bring. And so if you have a copy of God's, we're going we're to look at 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is God's Word. Let's pray. Father, this morning, may You guard and guide my tongue for Your glory and for our good, that Your saints, that Your people may be edified this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So John is writing this letter to Christians so that they may know the faith. That Jesus is the Christ. That He is the Messiah. John, similarly to Jude, is guarding readers against false teaching and false hopes. He's writing to them that they may place their rest in Jesus alone. And so Scripture is reminding us of the hope offered only in the gospel. And we see in this passage that Christians are those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the true King. He is our kinsman redeemer. Christians have been born of God or born again. And because they have been born again, they love God. They love His commands. They love His people. And it is by faith those who confess Jesus 
overcome the world. So in this passage, the, the new birth is mentioned three times. Twice in verse 1, born of God and born of Him. And then again in verse 4, everyone who has been born of God. So being born of God is, is vital, it's essential to this passage. Yet, it doesn't frame this passage or structure it. The faith of the Christian is what frames this passage and is seen as the main point of the passage. If you do not have faith in Christ, you don't have anything. But if you have faith in Christ, you are united in Him. You are united to Him. And unlike what the world so often claims about uh, Christians, the Christian faith is not blind. We have been given eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. Christians show we have been born again by God by the way we love one another and we obey the Lord's commands. Our fruit testifies of our root. So true faith is not just surface level. And John desires that true believers to to know that they are children of God. It is by faith alone that we receive the benefits of the gospel. Our faith is rooted in the King. And so it's not the amount of faith that saves. It's not the amount of faith that saves, but it is our faith placed on the person and work of Jesus Christ that saves. And so faith, love, and obedience are the outflowing of the Christian life. And it's an outflowing of the new birth from above. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, we'll see three points. First, our faith leads our faith leads to love for Christ. Our faith leads to love for Christ. Second, our faith leads to love for His commands and His people. And lastly, our faith in our King overcomes the world. Our faith in our King overcomes the world. And so point number one, our faith leads to a love for Christ. Let's read verse one again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Simply, we are to believe on the Lord Jesus for salvation. Some religions advocate that Jesus existed. Some say that Jesus was just a good person. But if you are a Christian, you believe that Jesus is the one who saves. That He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And so there is a massive difference in this belief than from that of other religions. One believes Jesus is the Redeemer. The other believes that Jesus was just a good person. But believing that Jesus is just a good person is an insult to Him. Beloved, Believing is the benefit. Believing is the benefit of the new birth. The Lord has worked in us. 
and our hearts are changed. We recognize this promised Messiah of the Old Testament. He is the Messiah our scriptures speak of. He's the promised seed of the woman from Genesis 3.15. He is the prophet like Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 18. He is our priest who has made the atonement for sin once for all from Leviticus chapter, uh, Leviticus chapter 16. He is our king who is seated on the throne and his enemies will be made a footstool from Psalm 110. So whoever confesses Christ is Lord has been changed by God. God has taken this old rebellious heart of stone that hated His ways. And for those who believe in Him, God has given a new heart that desires to glorify Him. If you've been born again, you believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. He is the Lord over your life. He is in control. You cannot be neutral. Either Jesus is your Lord and you're obedient to Him or you're not. Christ has changed your rebellious heart. You cannot continue to love your sin and rejoice in your sin. If you've been born again, you cannot belong to the world and to Christ. So one's nature is changed if they've been born again. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. It is of God and God has worked on our hearts. If you are born again, you are a new creature with new desires, wanting, desiring to live for your king. The object of your faith is your king. Jesus is our rest. He is our redeemer. He's our reward, sustainer, life giver. He is our all and all. And so you have placed your hope in Jesus. Not works, not people, not your strength, not your endurance, not false gods, but Jesus. What is a way we can see evidence of the new birth. Look at what someone loves. Look at what someone loves. So do we pursue the things of this world? Our image? Your home? Our homes? Your work? Your possessions? Are those the the pursuits of your life? the main pursuits of your life? Or do you love the things of God? Danny Aiken said, Jesus did not come to die on a bloody cross to make us kinder and nicer persons. He came to dramatically, personally, radically and eternally transform us and make us new people. It is by the new birth that He accomplishes this glorious work. Therefore, you must be born again. So those who have been born again desire that the gospel be preached and proclaimed. It is the fount where we find life. And it is the fount we go back to day after day. Is the Christian going to be perfect on this side of heaven? No. 
No, Christians still sin. But the Christian does not beat their chest to say, look at what we have accomplished or built. We beat our chest and say, look at Christ. Look to the cross. Look at what He has done for us. If you've come to to faith in Christ, then you are part of His blood-bought community. His church. And so our faith, our faith leads to a love for Christ. Those who have been born of God also love God's people and God's commands. This is our second point for this morning. Our faith leads to a love for His commands and His people. Let's read verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. In verses 2 and 3 in this passage, Scripture is pointing back to the call of chapter 4 of 1 John verse 21, which says, "In this commandment we have from Him Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So, if we have been born of God, we love his people. If we do not love other believers, this is evidence that we have not been born again. Our love for brothers and sisters shows that one truly loves God because they love the family of God. And we visibly see this on display in our local church. That the love of our triune God is on display. There is a genuine care, a love, an affection shown in the family of God. And our world tries to mimic what we have in this family. Whether it's by clubs or sports teams, one pulls for. But these things have nothing They have nothing on the family of God. The local church is not an angry family at Thanksgiving dinner. But we are a people who fight together for the good of each other. We don't fight each other, we fight together. And we don't fight over temporary things because our minds are fixed on the eternal. We are fixed on eternity. We know the war. And we are striving to keep each other focused. If you're suffering, if you have doubts, if you have struggles, if you have successes, if this has been a terrible week, the local church, we are able to come together and say, give me the Scriptures. Give me the Scriptures so that I may see the King. This is what we have together. Those who are born of God love His people and His commands. Keeping the commands of God are important in the Christian life. In 1 John, God's commandments are all Scripture. If we truly love God, we will follow His Word. And we love God's Word because we have been born again. 
We are living. We're desiring to live a life to honor Him. We are His. If we've come to, come to Him in faith, we are His. And He doesn't comply to us. We comply to Him. In the Scriptures, the, the Bible is not a textbook. But they contain the words of the, it contains the words of the living God. These are the very words of God. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We cannot love God and be indifferent to His word. I'm beloved. His, his commands are not burdensome. If we love God, we will strive to follow His commands. We will strive to follow His Word. God's commands are burdensome for this world. They are a burden to the world. So to the world, marriage, love, the things of life, they are a burden. But for the Christian, God's commands, God's words are a delight. We are joyful and eager to keep His Word. Will we fail at times? Yes. But following God's Word is not just a duty for the Christian. It's a delight. We love Him. We want Him. And it's impossible to love God and be indifferent to His Word. So His commands are a delight and a joy for His people. And Scripture here is, is pointing us back to Scripture. We cannot separate Christ from His Word. If you don't want to keep His commands, are, are you united to Him by faith? It's not possible for you to love King Jesus and yet your life not reflect that. Your life, again, your life reflects whom you love. Your life reflects who you love. And so His love and commands are not a burden, but a delight. Bob Jennings, a minister who is now with the Lord, once put it similar, similarly to something like this. A husband went off to battle. And while he was away at war, his bride was at home preparing for his return. And he sent her a letter. And when he returned, he asked his bride, did you read my letter? And his bride, his bride said, well, I only read some of it. Christians, we have a king who has given us a letter of 66 books that contain the eternal riches of truth. May we have a love for God's Word and a delight in His commands. In 1 John 5, Scripture is addressing this, this love for God's Word and also this love for others. Is your life reflecting that you've been changed by God, then you, will, then you will obey and keep this commandment. 
Whoever loves God must also love his brother or sister. So those who are in Christ have been brought to the King's Feast. And at the King's Feast, we are all beggars who have been washed in the grace of the King. And this King has given His people His decree in these 66 books, His commands to know Him, to follow Him, and to live for Him. What beggar who does not even deserve the crumbs off the floor at the feast, yet has been graciously given a seat at the table, rejects the king's commands. No one. No one. The king has been gracious. So may you graciously obey and graciously share the good news. May we hold fast to the word. May we hold fast to the king's decree. And those who hold fast to Christ, who love His commands and His people, they will overcome the world. They will overcome the world. Our last point this morning. Those who place their faith in Christ, those who place their faith in Christ, overcome the world. Let's read verses 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Beloved, everyone born of God or born again overcomes the world. For those in Christ, is this not good news? Those in the trenches. And we hear this. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Christ has defeated sin and the grave. So for those who have been born of Him, He has given this victory. It is by Him. It is by Him that we overcome the world. This is, the rally, this is the, our, our rally cry. This is our banner we wave. For the Christian, that it's by Him we overcome the world. But also, John is, is pointing out that this world is lacking. It's not that the world fails to offer things. The world does not fail to offer things. But it is that the world's offer for victory is not sufficient. What the world offers is like an ice cream cone on a hot summer day. It's appealing, especially in Louisiana, right? Thank you. But then you get this, then you get this ice cream cone. And it's already melting. And before you know it, it's all melted, gone, and wasted away. This is what the world is offering. And some of us have bought in. But for those in Christ, we are able to say, the Lord is our portion. 
It is in him we trust. He is our passion. We are not assured of the world, but we are assured in our King. He has brought us to the table of grace. What more? What more can we ask for? He has given us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. So for the Christian, our hope is not here. Our hope is not in this country. It's not in this soil. It's not in this life. So where are we placing our faith? We should be placing our faith in our King. He has given His people the victory over sin and death. John does not say, your faith. You see, John does not say, your faith. He says, our faith. It is our faith. We are in this together. God's people are in this together. And so what is this victory? What is this victory that the Christian has? It's not this so blessed you don't stress kind of life. It's not a big bank account. It's not a fancy car or house. It's not even a promise for a healthy life either. The Christian's victory is Christ. Some of us may even hear that and respond, well, that may be true, but when do I get other things? Think about the context of the early church. Christians being taken from their homes and forced to participate in Nero's circus. And they were killed for their faith. Where is their victory? It's Christ. It's Christ. It's in Him. To receive the gospel and to be born of God is the victory. What Christ has given His people. In 1 John Chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus has destroyed the work of Satan. How did he destroy the works of Satan? He bore the sins of his people upon the cross. So the one who overcomes the world is the one who has conquered. The Christian's victory does not come from themselves, but it comes from Christ by faith alone. Jesus lived a perfect life in our place, dying in our place for our sin. We were dead. We were dead in our sins. Yet, Jesus bore God's wrath and justice against our sin on the cross. He rose again from the grave so that those who confess Christ is Lord will be raised on the last day. He is our substitute and redeemer. So those who come to Him by faith are given His righteousness and His victory. Christ has given this to you by faith. What more can you want? Will there be this continue to fight against sin in this life? Yes! Yes! We are called to be killing sin and obeying the Lord's commands. But we know the outcome of our faith. For now... For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Those in Christ 
are citizens of another kingdom. And only those who've been born from above will enter this new land. And right now, we are sojourners and strangers in this one. In verse 5, John, John brings forth this rhetorical question. But it's continuing to drive home this point that if one does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, they will not overcome the world. We know that for those in Christ, the one who conquers is the one who professes Him as Lord. In our culture, says only weak people bend the knee to Jesus. But the ones who bend the knee to Jesus now are the ones who are truly wise. You will confess Him as Lord now in grace or confess Him as Lord in judgment. Either way, you will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we weak people who confess the Son now are confident in our King. We pray to Him in confidence knowing that the sovereign king is the one who is truly strong. And Christians are convinced that Jesus is the Christ. So our confidence in Christ is what prevails. The power of the gospel will prevail. And so, beloved, rejoice this morning in what God has done for His people. Rejoice And what God has done on our behalf. We overcome the world by Him. And as Christians, we should see Christ as far more satisfying. We behold Him. We want to know Him more. The world is hostile. But Christ is more than enough. We want Him. So, for our brothers and sisters around the world who are losing their church buildings and forced to meet in secret. Or the Christian who is beheaded by ISIS or the Taliban or Boko Haram. The Christian who is battling illnesses or the 80-year-old believer who is lived a faithful life, sharing the gospel, dies in their sleep. They will overcome the world. So could this be said of us this morning? Is your faith in the King? Or is your faith in the passing world? Who is it? Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Christ the Savior. So beloved, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we know from our passage this morning, this text, that those who trust in Christ by faith 
are the only ones who will rest well. May you continue to shape your people with a love for the Scriptures and a love for the church. Father, use North Hills to advance your kingdom. Do not use North Hills to advance our causes. Lord, may we May we advance your cause. May the gospel continue to go forth from this place. And Father, we know that this world brings many trials and temptations. But our faith in Christ is the bedrock. It's the foundation for our lives. Our faith in Jesus is what keeps us moment by moment We are kept by Christ. We continue on by Christ. So ground us well. Ground us well in this good news. That we we take this news to our neighbors and to the nations. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me in response to God's word?